That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman in DC podcast with no limits. After a long layoff, we are returning with another comic book review. Uh, So this week we've got Grandpa Batman. Howdy. Dunk Everything Batman. What up? Grumps. Yo. Tease us. Believe. And I'm Robin Cross. So this week we are jumping into Batman the Imposter. So Batman the Imposter was a three-issue miniseries uh, that began in October 2021. uh, Written by Mattson Tomlin with art by Andrea Sorrentino and Jordi Belair. Now, if you have seen the recent Batman movie and read this comic and thought that they felt a little familiar, a little reminiscent of each other, that's probably because... The author, Mattson Tomlin, also uh, is an uncredited screenwriter on uh, Matt Reeves' The Batman. Following the completion of his work on The Batman movie, uh, Mattson was left with all of these Batman ideas still in his head and more ideas that kept coming to him. That led to him contacting DC about doing a comic, and that eventually spawned Batman the Imposter. So uh, we're going to take a run through that book today. you know, probably do our usual go through uh, each chapter of the book, all the events, and uh, break down what we each think of it, get into maybe some of the cool Easter eggs that are in here, uh, things that are similar to the movie. But uh, I think we're ready to roll. Gramps, you want to uh, start us off? Sure. I'm glad that we finally made a decision to get back to doing some of our comic reviews. It has been a long time. Hopefully we'll do more in the future. This is a book that really piqued my interest whenever you know it was announced and especially when it was black label i found recently that i've been reading more black label stuff than just like the main continuity titles um yeah it's easy right you can you can jump into these short right uh, began and end stories and you don't have to uh worry about uh having remained current with the continuity i'm so far behind on the current stuff eventually i'll catch up I say that I'm looking at a, <laughs> a three foot stack of books over here and, and still trying to finish off Arkham city. <laughs> I'm at 72%, <laughs> but, but this one, I was like, Oh, this is really cool because I like stories where one, it's a detective story. It's not an origin story, but it is kind of a, you know, Batman in his initial phase, um, like you said, it's it's not based on, or it's not even a sequel of the Batman movie, but it is so similar in that feel that you could almost think of it as like the next story in, in that in that universe. Yeah, um, it feels very much uh, immersed in that world without touching on any of the events of the movie. Yeah, and 
Also, it, this piqued my interest because Batman is actually the villain in this a little bit. I mean, he's responsible for a lot that's been going on, either directly or indirectly. And the title, to me, you know, Batman the Imposter, you know, it, the setup is that there is an imposter going around killing citizens and, you know, former inmates and things in Gotham. And it always raises the question, what would happen if Batman actually killed an yeah. opponent? And and it's important to note, too, that you explain that someone was killing people. Uh, they are doing so dressed as Batman and being caught on security cameras doing it. Right. To, to, to frame up uh, Batman. And uh, the, the reason for that that becomes apparent is that Batman has been having an effect. Uh, not only uh, it's, it's mentioned early on in, in issue one that Gotham had had its first night without a violent crime in something like 54 years or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and that how you know, he, he attributes that to the effect that he's having. But also there, uh, there is an effect on uh, the sort of uh, crime lords of the city. And uh, they want to get rid of Batman. And someone had this idea. Let's frame him up. Right. I mean, it, it, he's having an effect on Gotham uh, City Police Department. He's having an effect on the businesses in Gotham. He's having an effect on the citizens of Gotham. You know, some good, some bad. But obviously, you know, the way that this imposter is painting the picture, he's framing Bruce Wayne to be a killer now. And things have changed and will always change for Batman. It's almost like he, he he's never going to be able to clean his name now. And that's kind of the purpose. Um, but also, you know, it's a little bit of retribution and trying to actually capture the Batman also. So the book starts off in the apartment of Leslie Tompkins. And, you know, Batman crashes in. I, I'm assuming we're going full spoilers on this. Yeah, why not, right? Sure. Yeah. Yes. So... You know, she's awoken to the sight of a bloodied up, beat up, unconscious Batman that's landed in her apartment. And, um, you know, the first thing she does is take off his mask and sees that it's Bruce Wayne. As a child, she was his therapist after undergoing, you know, the tragic events of the loss of his parents. And she realizes that all the treatment and diagnosis that she made of him at that young of age came true. She wonders how much rage pushed him to this level to become Batman. Talks about how, you know, when he was sent to me, she gave a laundry list of diagnosis, you know, acute anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, possibly on the spectrum, the PTSD. And when I read that that frame, I really paused and, and thought about that, especially the part where, you know, possibly on the spectrum. Um, I've got a, a, a young niece that is on the spectrum, and it's, it's not that she's disabled or anything like that, but her world is a little different. And texture and touch and emotions are always, she's always kind of on the edge a little bit. And it made me realize someone who went through that event not be able to move past that and just carry on with a 
quasi-normal life, as normal as normal could be, but to always reflect on that. And that really, you know, kind of touched, you know, my perspective of the character even more. I thought that was a a good um, you know, observation by by Matson. What'd you guys think? As this you read is, this is like this is where I was I was hooked because um, it's uh, I can't remember that because it's been a while since I, since I saw Leslie Tompkins. I don't remember the last time they used her, and uh, I don't think she's ever been in the movies. She was in the TV show. Yeah, and uh, but uh, traditionally in the comics. Uh, she's an older white woman, and uh, uh, she ran a clinic. So she was like, like a you know, like I guess like an internist, regular clinic type doctor, not a psychotherapist. Yeah. Right. So and I yeah. thought that was a, that was an interesting um, switch. You know, I think yeah. it works for for Batman. It is good because you know she's always been kind of portrayed as almost like, um, and this is just from my reading and, and my understanding of the characters, you know, every one of us, has, first of all, has different amounts of, of reading the comics and familiarity. Um, I don't think any one of us besides Robin is a expert. I know I'm not. Um, but my interpretation of that character, she's always been kind of, you know, how Alfred has kind of been the de facto father figure. I see Leslie as more of like the de facto aunt. You know, she's not yeah. a mother figure. Yeah. She doesn't. Yeah, she, she's like Aunt May. Yeah, she's not. Okay. She's never been one to like wipe his tears away and, and do like that. And she's never been one that I understood as supporting his mission. But she does help him when he needs help, and he helps her in return. Yeah. With you know supporting her foundation and, and things like that. But yeah, it's like we, we've been, seen her through the comics over the years. Like sometimes she was. Uh, where Bruce went uh, or was taken sometimes if his injuries were beyond what Alfred could help. Right. And, you know, he, he needed something more. And then she's also uh, really been, yeah, like you said, like an aunt, she's been uh, really uh, a confidant for Batman and for Bruce, you know, uh, being one of the few people who knows that Batman is Bruce. Yeah. And she's never really gave him her blessing in this kind of plays out throughout this book too. She's she's never really saying, "Yeah, you're doing the right thing." She's really kind of giving him warnings because she's she's here in this book as kind of um, setting up, you know, and understanding his emotional state of mind. Yeah, and guys, I. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No man. Do you guys have the book in front of you, like open in front of you? Yeah. Uh, everyone does. Yeah. This this panel that Gramps was talking about, this page. Uh, Reminds me of uh, J. H. Williams art. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He I can um, see that. sets up his page or his panels. <clears throat> it's really interesting. There's a couple of these splash pages like this. I really like the use of color that Jordi Belair does in this book because one, it's it's really subtle. You know, the palette she uses really subtle. I mean, and also where they use the color. There's points in this book where like. You know, during the fights, the impact point is not colored. It's white, and it kind of shows the injury. Mm-hmm. Like like when he smashes the dude's face, you don't see the dude's face. You see, like, his skeleton, his his, his jaw mm-hmm. fracturing and, and things like that. When I read through this book the second time, I started to wonder, you know, this frame where, you know, you see Batman and with all the bats and stuff like that, is that a... Um, 
image from one of the Wesker surveillance cameras. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's something that we find out uh, not too far after in the book who one of the major players is in this story. It's not, you know, the typical, it's not uh, going to be Falcone, it's not Penguin, it's not, you know, we're not going to have uh, Joker or anything like that. The The real major player throughout most of this book is the father of the ventriloquist. Yeah, we kind of get a little ventriloquist origin story, see how weird that dude um, is. That's the first time they've been used in that way, right? Like, I don't yeah, remember I this so. family being that prominent. So yeah, that, yeah that I think different. you're right on that. And uh, back to the uh, Leslie thing, I like um, the little sort of quid pro quo that she sets up with Bruce right. once she knows his identity, but she knows that you know, without turning him into the police and you know, that resulting in him either being locked up or killed as the police try to uh to take him in the only way she can uh really help him is by forcing him into an agreement where every night when he finishes whatever he's out there doing he has to report to her office at dawn for basically a counseling session so she can try to help him and you know I'm sure her eventual goal is to talk him out of doing this anymore. Mm. Kind of protects both of them legally too. Yeah. Because then, you know, she's got that patient physician, you know, confidentiality. confidentiality. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you guys watch better call Saul, but, or breaking bad, but uh, Saul as a lawyer, one of the things that he does is, you know, when, like, okay, put a dollar in my pocket there. I, I'm your lawyer now. So whatever <laughs> yeah. you tell me, I, you know, you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I found it interesting because if he's a danger to himself, she is obligated to, you know, get him help. Yeah, but, and I guess it's sort of a gray area in that yeah. as long as she believes she can progressively help him, yeah. that, you know, maybe <clears throat> it's a, a work in progress. That or um, as long as he continues to show up, yeah. Because yeah. a couple of times she played, he played it close. Oh yeah. And she's ready to call because then you know, God forbid, he doesn't show up, then he's in danger to himself because he was incapable of being there. Yeah. Yeah, but whenever she does this, you know, whole contract thing, he knows that you know. She's good. She's yeah. good. <laughs> you know, to use Robin's, you know, reference, she's in his pocket at that point because he knows <laughs> that's why she did that. But yeah, I mean, Leslie is a very uh, prominent character throughout this book, and and she she's a good tool for um, seeing and breaking down his emotional state of mind, um, which is very important in a in a book like this. Um, yeah, it, it's cool having uh, like a a take like this on Bruce that is so much about what's going on in his head. Having a character for him to. Uh, be across the page from who is getting into his head in a way that the reader can can read exactly what's in his head. Well, in the book, you know, and I don't know where I forget exactly where it's at, but she talks about how his rage eventually made his caretaker Alfred leave and quit, which that's yeah. kind of a a different spin on on Alfred. I don't think he would do that, but in this universe. He was such a little shit that um, <laughs> Alfred was like, no way, I'm done. 
Well, that, that's what was interesting too. I mean, I know, you know we're spending a lot of time on Leslie, but she's they took away Gordon and Alfred and gave him Leslie, uh, you know, the writer. Yeah. So, uh, that's something really no different. It's, it's interesting. It's all, yeah. They talk about how Gordon, you know, that, that, you know, basically, I guess, got fired for being an yeah. ally with with Batman. Because this talks about how this is kind of like in the Batman movie, within the first two years or so of, of his mission. And, um, <laughs> At that point, he's already, like you said, lost Alfred, and he's already lost Gordon. So he's really on his own. Okay. And Leslie's really the only ally he has left now. Uh, um, one interesting thing as a result of this frame job making people believe that this, you know, still fairly new to the city, this this Batman entity, uh, people now believing that he has begun killing people, it's funny when he begins uh, beating down doors looking for information on who this imposter might be. He uh, recounts how when he went to see Penguin, now that Penguin believes he's killing people, as soon as Penguin saw him, he peed himself. <laughs> 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 That's uh, interesting to, to think about the dynamic shift if all of these criminals of Gotham were under the impression that Batman kills people now. Like that how much that would change things like oh shit, not safe anymore. He's oh, not yeah. just gonna he's not just gonna bring me to jail. I, right. I thought, you know, your first glimpse at Penguin too, I'm like I thought that was really cool that they just obviously threw him that Batman returned homage. Yeah. Immediately. So I was like, you know. I love that they do that once in a while and it just it fits the universe and it fits the grittiness of his artwork. So yeah. But uh yeah, real quick, like uh before I I think that first scene where he jumps in and they build up to like the psychology of Batman. And I feel like her finding him in this disarray immediately like rips off that bandaid and it sets the psychological tone of her purpose in the story. You know, it's like, man, it's like she feels that sense of regret because like you said before, like he had these issues that maybe it wasn't addressed the right time and because of that they're at this point and he's on the verge of almost dying and once again she has to pick him up and clean him up and they're literally ri ripping off that band-aid and now they're 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 back maybe 20 years later or 15 years later at the same problem so i think the whole idea of imposter is like it's a psychological thing to me um when i hear that you know because people are hiding behind their guilt or maybe what if i didn't do this or you know all this speculation so to me it's like like you said before like the colors uh the colors like freeze that one scene and it takes you to that mindset of what the viewer is looking at because of that color and, and the grittiness right like with leslie and i know it's in her apartment and it's supposed to be dark but the colors in there are like uh, kind of a pastel blue and a pastel purple. It's very soothing. Um, you know, like you said, opening the book from the get-go, Batman is a wounded character, both physically and emotionally. And the colors kind of frame the story. With with Leslie, we get that blue coolness. 
You it's know, also like a sense of confusion. Like when you see that color, the purple and the blues, they're just in a daze. You know, they're just mm-hmm. trying to reset and figure things out and, and get to a starting point to how they can just move forward. And then we get to that first fight scene where he's telling her what happened, what, what happened, why he's hurt. And, you know, he stopped some bad guys uh, from robbing this, I don't know, deli or whatever. And the, the color is like green, kind of like a, you know, go green. And we see him in first in action. And that's there's this one frame where he crashes this dude's mouth against the desk. And that's where I'm, sh- I'm showing yeah. you where the impact point is white. It's not color. And you see like the guy's teeth just snap. Like an x-ray. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, I love that use of typography too. It's just like that big blam. And it makes you think, you know, it was used in, in the past, but it's that moment where it just pauses and you focus on the action because it's it's desaturated and uh, like you said they almost like zoom into his injury it's like Mm. man it it makes you stop it it makes your eyes stop for that moment yeah and what just happened i love that little battering that he throws he throws that several times throughout the story but i love that and they shoot uh the storekeeper in the shoulder and batman kind of tells him put some pressure on it and then he uh tries to you know hold up a kid and Batman throws the battering as kind of a warning. And then it crashes through the window and all this. And then all of a sudden the color turns to red and it's almost like this is Batman's rage here as he's chasing these dudes down. This is where it actually felt more like that movie. Yeah. 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 At this point you start seeing like the suit a couple of times in the panels and I'm thinking to myself like, man, this is a really awesome suit. I love the depiction it really, it really just brings out his glowing eyes. And like you said, it focuses on that rage and the mood. But to me, it's a basic suit, but it's still equipped enough for him to have protection and to, for him to be a good fighter and to be agile. Um, and he's got that long cape. So to me, at this point, it, the way that they just drew it, it just looks very cinematic. Um, yeah. What, I, t- what I took from... Oh, go ahead. I mean, the stuff on you there. I had a like, I, I like, I'm like, man, that could have been. I mean, everyone has their gripes about the Batman movie, but I envision this very similar to what we saw in the Batman movie. Uh, what I took from the uh, red color here was uh, that it, it turns red once he's been shot. You know, we mm-hmm. see uh, the blood coming out. This this suit is not uh, quite so bulletproof as the one in the movie, but yeah, we see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blood coming out of me looks down at his hand and is covered in blood. And yeah, from from there, the rest of that, uh, I think the rest of, yeah, this whole chase takes place in red. Yeah. I like it when the monkey man driver's like, what is it? Spit it out. And he's like, he's still coming. <laughs> and you see that him on that motorcycle. I love that image where he's on the motorcycle, just going yeah, in between the, the lanes. Yeah, he breaks the monkey guy's arm and they oh. show like that, that x-ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just such a cool yeah. effect yeah, a cool, that I've never yeah. seen in comics before that needs to happen more because it really moves your eyes, you know? It makes you focus yeah. in on, on what's going yeah, it, on. It provides such a visual that you almost, like, the words are so secondary. Like, you almost don't need the words at this point because you see what's going on. The words are just sounds, really, at this point because there's so much aggression and action and they're pausing to that moment of impact that, you don't really need words because shit's happening. 
wasn't like reacting. wasn't like Mortal Kombat like that? Like when you do a That's crazy a, move. A, yeah, I was literally thinking that. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, they they really do a zoom in and like it's yeah, it's a hundred percent Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it also reminds me of the Arkham games where when you put on that the de- the detective vision, you see oh, yeah. the X ray of of all your opponents. Yeah, that too. It's, it's cl- clever. It's very clever. I mean, Gra- Gramps knows about that. He's 72% into the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I like to do. I like to use that on like the little bonus missions and get in that uh, what's the one suit where he's just like doing his ninja training. Oh, yeah. And I, I pretend it's Daredevil. that's how they need to make a daredevil game all right getting back to the book Um, (laughs) yeah i like this one you know so that was bruce telling her how he got all banged up and ended up in her apartment and you know leslie basically says bruce i say this as a psychotherapist you sound insane (laughs) Uh, because he told her you know, I went to the ends of the earth not to learn to control the monster, not to purge the fear or the pain, but to become it. And she's like, you sound crazy. Um, You're crazy, Bruce. But that's when he tells her, you know, hey, I'm making a difference, you know. And we get that big splash scene where he's on that, um, I don't know, top of that church or whatever, overlooking yeah, Gotham. steeple or something. Yeah, I love that page, man. It's so cool. And then you see where he says, last week Gotham had its first night with zero violent crimes in 54 years. And a close-up, and you see him shedding a tear, kind of like Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder if that was a little nod to the goat. He did it for his city. <laughs> well, well, one thing that I took a, a, a real note of here on the following page after Leslie... Uh, Sort of forces him into signing this uh, yeah. this deal that uh, she's going to be his therapist. He has a terrible signature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that too. But he's, you know, he's beat half the hell. So right. But I, I thought it was interesting too. I like that was my big argument. Like before the movie came out, the you know, the Batman was you. You have to. I feel like you have to tell the origin. And they they did in a roundabout way, not the same way we always see it. In, yeah. In this, in that, um, those panels we were just talking about, he, you know, he said I traveled the world and blah blah blah. It's 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 you know a slight retelling of the origin. Yeah, very subtle. They didn't fall into that no, trope. The parents. Where, yeah. Right. I mean, there is a panel where. Right. Um, yeah. They're there, but it's not. You know, it's kind of glossed over and quickly but you have to touch on it and then she touches on the like hey, you, you you have to be crazy to do this like yeah and i think he he doesn't deny it no next we get into the introduction of one mr wesker the um head honcho of wesker industries and um also what's her name blair wong from yeah detective wong so she's going she's responding to um mr wesker uh to review some video footage that his security took at his building 
and this gets into uh yeah i I, i've i brought up uh this part of the book on the show a few times before uh how i like some of the things that mattson incorporated into the story which you can see where this is likely the kind of stuff that he was thinking about while working uh on parts of the movie where he's come up with these things that bruce could do that would make the batman things a little more practical like the way that he gets around the city he's not jumping off of uh, a rooftop and firing a grapnel launcher while he's in the air and swinging to safety no he's putting in the hours during the day posing as a construction <laughs> worker installing these zip lines so that he can travel from building to building as well as you know throughout the book we we see that they were finding these motorcycles through the city that were not abandoned but were put there you know like uh, air in the tires full tanks of gas they were just being stashed places so that hidden was, behind you know, yeah, dumpsters are, and yeah and these are the ways he was getting around the city so quick they actually have him on video cameras as He's not a construction worker on the payroll. The others th- assumed yeah. he was a new hire. He worked alongside them for three days, hiding in plain sight. He just matches Maloning it there. I mean, yeah. yep. that's a good disguise for Bruce Wayne to be able to work three days or just on and off. And those guys don't recognize him. But the, this, the cover this, boss. Is, this is still early <laughs> enough in his career as Batman, right? Because like, if you figure he's been gone from the city since he was a child yeah no one really knows what bruce wayne looks like yet you know now that he's grown up how much do you think he got paid during those three days like, mm, i don't know and mm-hmm. but but now he's got uh you know you, he's in the union and he's got benefits. <laughs> i know he's got <laughs> it is construction so they must have made the bank Hopefully he gets a lot of PTO, you know, because he's suffering injuries at night. (laughs) And this is also where we kind of see how Wesker Industries or whatever it is, the business, they have security cameras all over the city. And they've captured an image of Batman in flight. Wesker is kind of putting the squeeze on Detective Wong to, um, you know, track down who this Batman person is because he's costing him money. And that's an angle of the investigation into Batman that she didn't realize or think of. Um, I liked it whenever Mr. Wesker says he's bad for business, not just mine. I know the Sionis family is considering moving their firm out of Gotham mm. entirely. And Wayne Enterprises, well, they certainly don't need the Batman blowing up one of their buildings last year. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool thing that... Uh would a thing like that happening would maybe serve to help hide Batman's identity if uh, Wayne uh, Wayne properties are getting damaged too. But we get our uh, our first meeting with Arnold Wesker here, uh, a young <laughs> version of him. You know, obviously a, a pretty disturbed guy already, already speaking to someone that you know, we don't see. Well, the father tries to, before that, tries to basically bribe uh, Wong. Mm-hmm. This is rumor has it, your stellar detective, Mrs. Wong. We're, we're all rooting for you here. Right. I like and, when uh, they're, she's in the elevator with uh, Arnold and Sorrentino, the way he draws her expression <laughs> just cracks me up because, you know, her body doesn't move. The, the frame and the, the characters don't move. He just moves her head kind of 
slightly because he's talking to himself in his crazy deranged way. And the way he captured her expression while he's walking out the elevator, she's like, what the hell <laughs> was that? After the looking around, like, who the hell is this guy talking to? <laughs> oh, I love that. I guess that's the son no one ever sees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks a little different than, you know, his traditional look. I mean, obviously, because in the his more traditional look, he's kind of a older gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. But this was interesting too, right? Like he he talks to himself or he has I don't know, imaginary friend or something like the seeds for the ventriloquist. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have a puppet on his hand but he's already talking to himself. Almost like he's having two sides of the conversation. Yeah. It sort of plants a seed that, you know, maybe uh that other voice that he speaks to was always there with him and you know, one day he will just one day he just got that puppet that he gave the voice to. Right. Yeah. So Detective Wong is recruited onto this task force investigating the Batman because they have footage provided by the private network of, you know, Wesker's security cameras of this imposter Batman. They don't know it's imposter, but this Batman kicking off three uh, victims off of rooftop. And it is uh, pretty incriminating. He's got them blindfolded, tied up. And then he just, it's almost like, you know, it's its literally an execution. He's just kicking them off the rooftop. And there is... Um, oh, this is where we meet her co-workers, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they do this, like, background thing where it's kind of like this little lineup and it gives you a quick brief on their history and why they're all together. And um, now that I'm seeing it again, the, the Hatcher part is really interesting. I, I kind of yeah. like uh, detail. But now it's like they almost gave it away. But you have to go through the whole story to kind of know that, you know? Right, because he says, what about the perps? Yeah, like, or, yeah. And then they're like, don't know this guy, or I thought he was suspended. And now, you know, you're reading it again, and you're like, oh, shit, okay. But yeah. that's the beauty of, of the writing, because you don't know it's such a uh, an important detail. Because, you know, you don't know to make that connection, because it doesn't seem like it's important. And this is really kind of also where we we see their boss talk about how Gordon failed them in from their perspective for trying to work with Batman. And they talk about him being gone and the bat is not our helper and to be called upon with a giant, he says giant mm -hmm. fucking flashlight in the sky. <laughs> see, yep. that's why I love the black label because they talk how people talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. one of those few instances where you know, Gordon is portrayed as a pawn. You know, it's like you always see Gordon as someone who's complex and sacrifices himself for the city and for his his uh, police department, just like Batman. But they're pretty much just overriding him immediately, and they're just kind of just shitting on him. You know, it's like now he's sacrificing his career, and, and that's and that sets up for the fact that like like you said, Batman is the catalyst for the problem as well. Just like Gordon was like he bought into in, he kind of drank the Kool-Aid of Batman. And the fact that on paper it sounds like it's amazing, it caused all this other trauma for other people on their jobs. So that's why this imposter felt like he had this motive to do what he had to do to expose him. Right. I I I love the narration. I mean, the black and white stuff 
is cool because it really helps you focus on the moment and the action. But I think uh, what really makes it so unique is like a lot of times when you see this security camera, you'll read it quickly. But these security uh, uh, views are so imperative to the storytelling and it it carries through the story like it's it's such an important thing because this this Wesker building or whatever it's called is the main base of the story and uh it's 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 rooted to how this guy exposes batman so to me like the security footage is is really important to this whole situation like it, it makes it more cinematic to me you know exactly it reminds me of kind of like the Nolan films when when I look at it. Oh, that's one thing I thought of. Um, you know how in uh, Dark Knight when they have the screens, know, no the 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 fake Batman that go around uh, yeah. as kind of the little militia and try to do their job pretending yeah. to be Batman. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean. You know, it, it raises a question. What would it be like, one, if you had a vigilante that was, you know, like Batman, that was the ultimate alpha going around, able to do what he was doing, but then people taking it upon themselves to, I guess, join his mission and try to do the same, but they ended up doing it so wrong that it just s- screws up what Batman's whole purpose and and what he stands for. And that's really what this imposter is doing, except he's maliciously doing it. Maliciously doing it. Yeah, he's actually killing people. Um, yeah, it's a character assassination as, as well as just assassination of people. Really? Um, I, I think this is where Tomlin, as a. This is where he shows his background in film because this is kind of like. It feels like you're watching a movie, you know? These, these little uh, scenes like this. Oh, this should have been the movie. Yeah, it makes you want I say to, it. Yeah, it's like you, you <laughs> want to see this on screen or the beginning of the review. Or, or on like an or in like an <laughs> HBO uh miniseries, you know? This could easily be a an HBO miniseries. I mean, think about it. I mean, like like I said in the beginning, this is a book that makes Batman the villain, literally. How cool would that be? I mean, where Batman is the hero and the villain in the same movie. No other film has done that. And like in, in doing it in a in a film version of it, they could just show us Batman killing people, and we don't find out until after that it was an imposter framing him. Yeah, you know, it could could give you that moment of like, oh, what what what's he doing? All right, jumping ahead, uh, we see Leslie waiting in her. Well, she's treating other patients, and she's watching that clock because she. You know, she made this deal with Bruce that he's supposed to show up. And um, you can see the stress that it puts on her because, one, her expression, but also the changing in the colors. <laughs> and finally he shows up, and that's when he tells her, it's not me doing the killing, it's an imposter, and I've got to find out what's going on. Because by this time, it's made all the media, it's made all the news, Batman is target number one for the GCPD. 
And she tells him, you know, I mean, you can't be feared as a murderer and enjoy the same leniency from the GCPD. Things have changed now and they will always be changed. It's never going to go back to the way it was in the beginning. And he says, I'm going to stop him. And she gives him, you know, she's constantly giving him warnings throughout the book. And she's like, you better do it quickly because you're running out of time. Now, this panel where uh, she tells him to take off the mask because she's not going to speak to him like that. Right. That that panel where he takes it off, that looks so much like Pattinson, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Right, yeah. The hair and, and the, the makeup around the eyes. I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a justified fear. I like when he's beating up the gangs to get information. He, uh, one of them is the skeletons. They kind of look like the ones from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I can just hear the, you know, he probably walked up on them real slow and clanky boots, clanky belt, not trying to be stealthy and just took them on straight ahead. He said, I owed them a visit anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> and here's the, uh, here's that penguin part too. And yeah, this is where he talks about, uh, how this added fear of the Batman, uh, is making things easier for him. Yeah. And yeah. we're also uh, introduced now to another character we know from, you know, you might know him from the comics or the animated series. We've got a rat catcher. <laughs> and he literally is a rat catcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how he talks about, you know, people are scared of rats because they're small and they move quick and they're ugly faces and teeth and they carry diseases. But then he turns around and he says, but dogs are small move quick and long faces and they'll kill you, but we love the dogs. <laughs> well, that's kind of true. It shows how he's been, you know, mistreated by everybody and probably because he's a different looking type of guy and yeah. what he does for his occupation really isn't too glamorous, but he's just really an outcast that has had a real unfair way of life. Everyone treats him bad. He gets held up in his van by one of these skeleton gang members He's just trying to eat a sandwich, man. Yeah, he he, he, he gets held up on his lunch break. It's like, goddamn. What kind of sandwich is that? He can't catch a break, literally. <laughs> oh, what is that? Looks like some Arby's roast beef or something. <laughs> he has the beef, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, he's, uh, he's literally in van just trying to get like two or three minutes to himself, and yeah. poor guy's getting stuck up. You know, it's like, time to and, move. And he he says something really important here. He says, people, not rats, are vermin. Yeah. And I can imagine that's very true in, in Gotham. He's alone on the rooftop. He climbs up on the rooftop just to kind of get away from all the stuff on this, the city because, you know, he just got held up. Someone took his Arby's roast beef <laughs> in his wallet. And uh, he's kind of having a moment there, talking to himself, thinking about himself. And then he comes across... Who appears to be Batman kind of gives us a story where Batman actually stuck up for him at one point and, and protected him against some bullies. And he talks about, I know about your bikes. I know about your motorcycles and the sewers. It's, I can help you more and I'll keep it a secret. And I'll tell you where all these other tunnels are that help you around quicker. And I'm the only one who knows. We don't know if he's talking to Bruce or the imposter. I like this little part where, uh, just before that, where he was talking about uh, how he tried to leave Gotham once, and he went to Keystone City. They have cleaner streets, faster <laughs> internet, yeah. faster internet, flash. <laughs> so now we see where 
Detective Wong is trying to put together the pieces and create, you know, the dots to put them all together to figure out who is the Batman and what's the motivation for these murders. And then Bruce on the flip side, he's trying to figure out who is the imposter. How's he working around in the city without me being able to find him? What's his motivation? You know, is this someone who's just finishing something or are they just starting something, you know, like a serial killer? We've got another shot of Penguin here. We've got Black Mask in his underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is movie Black Mask, right? I mean... Yeah, it it kind of felt like that. I still never saw that uh, oh, Birds of Prey yeah. movie. No, you're okay. Don't, don't, don't need to put yourself through that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you taking that bullet for me. I, I watched it twice, so I got you. Oh. <laughs> I always count on you guys. <laughs> this is turning to true, true confessions of it. <laughs> is that why he wears uh, a mask? <laughs> at uh, at this point, at the end of the issue, you start seeing the purpose and the commonality between Bruce and Wong. Mm-hmm. Where at this point, you're like, they're both on the opposite sides of the fence, but they need to know the same thing. So this is where you start seeing that connection forming. That yeah. Thing. And she and knows that, you know, Batman, whoever he is, he's connected with wealth. So she's kind of looking at all the players in Gotham that could be either are wealthy or connected with wealth. And at the very end, she shows up on his door and she's like, you got a minute. And that's actually the end of issue one. Issue two starts where, you know, Alfred's talking with, uh, you know, it's a kind of a flashback scene and Alfred's talking with Leslie Tompkins about, you know, dealing with Bruce and all this stuff. And he's like, I'm not a parent or a teacher. I'm a damn butler. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, is there anything you can give this kid? I'm out of here. I, You know, when you start seeing um, characters like Alfred out of context, it kind of reminds you of just things that it's just the everyday life that we're all living now. It's like people are under a lot of trauma. Um, you know, it's like people are out of, out of sorts. And in this situation, Alfred is really out of sorts and he's responding quickly. He's hitting that eject button. You never see that. You know what I mean? Like that's not, you know, that's not Grumps' Alfred. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like like this is like your support system. This is your father figure. And at this point, it's like, that's why Thompson is such a critical, um, part of the story because she's the glue like you said before that um helps give him that support in this case alfred did not have that uh support for him because because fucking bruce is a he, he a teenager at it he's a teenager fucking going nuts yeah he, he is tired of his shit there's <laughs> 11 and he's basically got this broken kid and he brings something to her to like fix this fucking kid Whose baby is this? Not mine. Because then he (laughs) mentions, like, she says to Alfred, like, he says, is there anything we could give him? And she's like, give him. It's a little early to be talking about medication. He's like, well, what fucking good are you? (laughs) (laughs) Dope this kid up. The butler quit soon after. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's he's over here making explosives. Deuces. I'm out. He's making explosives. Fucking knock him out already. Pretty much every time that Bruce Wayne comes to Leslie, you know, he he has to be there before dawn per the agreement. But I mean, it's very cinematic way he, you know, he approaches her. uh, But 
you can tell that he is not on his game. He's not like the typical comic Batman that's always the superior fighter in every battle. He's always wounded. He's always beat up. And yeah, he's definitely not the uh, the Grant Morrison Bat God. <laughs> no, no, he's not. And we get a look at, you know, in just the short time he's been Batman, how wounded he already is. She's like, what happened? And he's like, to catch this imposter, I have to be everywhere at once. And he's telling her how he had to break in to the Wesker uh, headquarters to tap into their surveillance cameras because he knows they're all over the city. And we see him, you know, grappling up to uh, the top of the the building and getting into the security area, taking on some uh, security guards. And one of them kind of gets the best of him a little bit. This is probably one of the most realistic portrayals of Batman that you, you'll ever see, because if you're doing this day in and out, he doesn't have time for recovery. Like this is realistically what Batman would be. Like he shows up battered and tired and, He's not on top of his game because he's surviving from the night before or having these bruises, you know? And he's got this, like, this grapnel, like, rifle here. Yeah. It's not the little gun yeah. that he holds in one hand. It's, it's like a, almost like a harpoon gun type deal. And uh, it sort of reminded me of uh, Earth One, the first time he uses the grapnel launcher and it malfunctions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, see, coming up, this is where I thought of the Dark Knight. Um, that scene at the end with Morgan Freeman, and he's sitting in front of all those screens. Oh yeah, yeah. Because oh. now Batman's in Wesker, and he's looking at all the screens. Right. And he gets up and close <laughs> with one of the screens. Well, yeah, and she's like, she asking me, you know, something went wrong. He's like, yeah, I didn't hit hard enough. One of these security guys sets off the alarm and gets reinforcements and they kind of do a number on old Batman. One of them kind of kicks his ass and throws him out or he jumps out of a window. The guy catches him by his cape and he has to cut himself free. Mm. And, and then he, uh, kind of slices the guy's nose with one of those batterings and then throws it at him and just kind of has a warning and almost, Hits him in the head. And my first thought was like, is this guy the imposter? Because the way he was able to fight hand to hand with Batman so well. That was like a red herring, right? Yeah. Especially, you know, the cut across the bridge of the nose. I was like, oh, that's going to come up later. But you're right. It was kind of a red herring. And then Batman, he's, you know, he escaped from that guy, but he's still in the building and he comes across. Arnold Wesker playing with uh, some dolls. Man, isn't this great? Like this, I would have liked to have seen live action. Yeah, these dolls and you know, all Wesker shit. And he asks him if he's there to kill his father. He's one of the bad guys, and Batman just kind of slowly sinks back into the darkness. And uh, well, he just play, we, like like we, Homer we back into the bush. Of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, Batman here handling um God what's the ventriloquist right or what's the name um God Scarface Scarface thank you it looks like Scarface anyway yeah maybe an early version mm-hmm. you know Batman's got going what the heck is this come <laughs> on here actually that that uh that puppet 
sort of reminds me of the cop that Batman mugs in that first uh, scene in the Batman yeah. movie. <laughs> He's got yeah. the mustache yeah, on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like he's giving away a lot of spoilers. So now Miss Wong is interviewing Batman, or I'm sorry, Bruce, and she's trying to, you know. Did you skip? Okay, you skipped that. Okay. What did I do? Yeah. There's a whole scene with Leslie. Okay. All right, we'll start there. You start. Um, Yeah, so I guess he reports back to Leslie now. You know, he's, he says he left. The mission was over. So he left, you know, Arnold Wesker there. He didn't bother him, the weirdo. But he hacked the network. He hacked the Wesker network. So now he says, I've got eyes everywhere. And then she's like, I want to talk more about Arnold Wesker. Like, yeah, he's a fucking superman <laughs> lady. <laughs> but uh, so, so you don't think it's strange he asked you to kill his father? And Bruce says, lots of people hate their fathers. She's like, I'm asking you. How it made you feel? And, you know, okay, that's the this typical is therapist to question. To you how how do that make you feel? That says, I miss my parents, but my father, he was he was not always kind. And, and like a whisper, the way they, uh, I don't know, the way they show it here is kind of like a whisper. The print isn't as dark as when he talks regular. Right. Um, and being rich, a child of wealth, it doesn't make people like you. And that, I was, man, that's, that's one thing that always bugs me. And I know I'm, I'm probably usually the only one, like, when they, you know, tweak the wings or whatever, it just, ah, you know, I don't know, it just bothers me. Because I would just see them as these great people and whatever and blah, blah, blah. They were wonderful. And, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the same way on that. I, I like uh, things to, to stick to that. Yeah, but the reality is that, you know, rich people um, or being wealthy, they didn't become wealthy by making friends with everyone. Uh, no. We're doing but, things to benefit everybody. And no. I'm sure, the, as we've seen in other stories, you know, the Waynes are no different. Um, they've got skeletons too. But but I, I always felt like he had the good ones. There has to be good yeah. rich people. Like, but um, no, it's, you know, it's, it's whatever. No, that you're right, because that kind of makes Batman's <laughs> mission more have more meaning right you know yeah if they were just assholes then what's the point of him carrying on doing what he's doing you know yeah yeah and then also like you know the traditional origin story is they get killed because they're protecting bruce or they're they're getting in the way of bruce to protect him and that's why he has this you know this motive that's why i've never liked when they portray thomas wayne as kind of this you know, asshole politician type, you know. Yeah. I like him as a positive, generous doctor. You know, he was saving yeah. lives. He even saved, yeah. uh, you know, Maroney. And, you know, he gave his life for his son. Wasn't um, there some book recently that portrayed him as like a womanizer or something? I thought we reviewed it. I can't oh. remember. It's been a what, was it in Damned? I think it might be in Damned. Yes, yes. Where that, that like, was in Damned. Yes. Where, they're, where they're hiding it and they're like, hey. Yeah. 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 It was the beginning of Damned, I think. That was it. Yep. But, you know, that, 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 was, that was one thing I liked in the, in the new movie where we got that story from Falcone about how Thomas wasn't the good guy 
that you know mm. he sent him to kill the the reporter but then we find out later that that was all bullshit and thomas was the the good guy that that yeah. bruce thought he was all right so now we meet uh well now we have detective wong and bruce wayne meet yeah and she's at his place and it's not like the typical wayne manor we normally see it's kind of a crappy bachelor pad but he invites her in you know he didn't want to seem too suspicious he says you know i don't drink coffee but i have 800 pounds of chai tea in the pantry can I offer you some she's like what do you need 800 pounds for and he lets a little yeah he, he lets down his guard a little bit and he says i like to buy things in bulk <laughs> so that was a little little nugget of info that he let out yeah, that he makes good use of his Costco membership. Right, right. <laughs> and she says, don't you have a staff for help? And he's like, I'm not big on butlers. <laughs> this, uh, this this depiction of his house is very similar to that of the Batman movie where it's in disarray. You know, like he's just, you know, obviously the Batman movie, he's young. He's probably a little younger, but it's the room. The room is is unkept because it just reminds him of another lifetime, you know? Um, it's just very dark. It's just, he just lives there. It kind of just looks like a gutted, gutted out attic. Like it's not furnished. It's not the Bruce Wayne that you're used to seeing. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like the movie one where he, he doesn't care about the Bruce Wayne side. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he is he is the Batman side. Right. And it this becomes kind of like the mood is almost like a chess game because again you start seeing they need each other, but they're not that they're manipulating each other, but they're there to leverage off of each other to get yeah. that information. Um where they have all these similar parallels. She starts saying that um he's looking into the Batman killings and she wants to ask him about some things because they found the network of motorcycles around the city. And he's like, Oh really? And she says the VINs were, you know, scrubbed off the bikes, but the tires have a serial number. And these tires were manufactured by Wayne enterprises. And he's like, you're asking me if I sold Batman some tires. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I like that as a a good Bruce Wayne line. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, she's trying to kind of get a little bit of information and he has, you know, some really cool responses. One being that a missing crate is like one in a million is like no big deal. That's just kind of a write off. Um, And then she starts asking about how how he got bruises on his face and typical Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. Self-defense classes had a break in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, He says, I'm an open book. If you. If you want, you're welcome to come by my next session. You know, inviting her, and he's trying to kind of break down her her wall a little bit. Um, because There's a he reference knows, um, to yeah. David Kane, who's Cassandra Kane's father, right there. I think, anyway. <clears throat> Go on. Uh, yeah, he says Master Kane has a gym downtown, but he makes house calls for me. But David Kane is. And a lot of stories, David Kane is one of the guys that trained uh, Bruce Wayne. And he is uh, Cassandra Kane. Uh, Cassandra Kane was the second backer, I think, who's now Orphan. Is she Orphan, orphan or, or Black Bat? Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was a little Easter egg. 
Yeah, that's a good Easter egg too. <clears throat> and then that makes sense though that Batman does have to train to keep up his skills, but he can't just go to any gym. Yeah. And he can't just train by himself all the time. So he would have private tutor. Yeah. yeah. But it's someone uh of a reputation. Like, uh, David Kane is uh, traditionally like a, a high level assassin. Mm-hmm. Then, then, then you quickly kind of just jump into that scene where they're using each other for information and motives, but now it start they start making this emotional connection. Yeah. And the second you just see like them, he offers to just take her out to dinner, and he says, "Listen, at the end of the day, you could just check it off your list and said you had a uh, dinner with a billionaire." And the second they lock eyes, now now it's a love connection. Now it's not like it goes from a business thing to an, an emotional connection. Well, he also starts investigating or doing research on her, you know, because yeah. he finds out that, you know, there's this parallel. Her, right, there are parallels between them. Her dad was a cop and was murdered, and that inspired her to go on and and be a cop herself. And during this all this time, there have been more and more murders by this Batman. Uh, you know, drug dealers, murderers, traffickers. Ten dead so far killed in Batman's name. And it's kind of putting a little a weight on, on Bruce. Yeah, I think that's just representative of just living in Gotham. Like, there's some type of trauma. There's some blood on your name. There's some something that you're connected to everything is connected that's the whole point of this story it's a chain reaction and it's like you have purpose because of the experience that you had and the trauma that you're fighting so she's on the other side um playstation somebody's on their playstation there <laughs> <laughs> i was like this is on <laughs> I, think, I think doug is playing uh, arkham knight he's at 85 <laughs> he's ahead of me yeah <laughs> But yeah, so you know, it's, it's, uh, it's it's that interconnectivity, and with that, it's uh, you're connected where you have allies and you have uh, differences. So that's what living in Gotham for me is all about. Um, so. Speaking of allies, so Bruce is having a conversation with uh, Leslie about how he's gonna pursue some sort of friendship relationship with Wong. In order to, you know, uh, get information on, you know, yeah, what they know about the imposter and Batman. Exactly. Right. What a jerk. <laughs> yeah. That's how he gets into that building, you know? It's like, yeah. I thought it was a really cool um, how they flipped it. Like, what Grumps was saying, it's like, hey, they spoke about the origin stories without really going too much into it, but that one panel where they situated her in that crime alley scene was really, it's a really cool homage to that without screaming it in your face, because it shows that emotional connection that they have with each other and that they have that same level of loss and pain. And uh, that's why they're going to really work together and have that journey into the next phase of finding the imposter. They did in a very like dramatic anime sense, I feel like. You know, like she's almost like in a in a rain of blood and the parents are lifeless and mm. they have blood holes, but it was like it was cool. It, it was a nice uh nod to it and you kinda just keep it going, but 
I, I like that they threw that far into the story. Yeah. And you start seeing that color, that usage of purple tones again to show how these people are feeling. Um, that daze, you know, that sense of confusion. <laughs> and Leslie, she's like, she sees right through him. She's like, yeah. oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> but it also shows this is a Bruce that he can be personable. He can be charming. He can be that playboy. It's almost like another tool in his belt that he yeah. can pull that out at any time, even against mm-hmm. one of the best detectives in Gotham and, and, and work to his advantage. Those rich guys, they can always do that. Mm-hmm. Must be nice. I was wondering because, you know, in, I don't know, I think it's like the fly leaf of the book. There's um, some art where it shows a man and a woman kissing and the bats all around. I was like, is that Selena in this book? But no, it, it's it's Blair. So, yeah, they, they, they start forming a little relationship. And he even tells Leslie Tompkins... I'm falling in love. Mm, do, you, this, uh, do you think that was a lie? I think it's a lie. I think it's just I, kind of a play uh, to, to get Leslie a little bit more off his back. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that like, look, look, I'm having human emotions. Yeah. Right. I, I think yeah. it was kind of like an in and out thing. It's like, hey, he's feeling the surge and everything is just making sense. So he's going to roll with it. But clearly, you know, it's like, it's over. Smoke. But yeah, he, he's feeling a human emotion. He's he's making he's feeling that connection with her. And to him, it's like he's in love. He's yeah. a virgin. It just happens so quickly. You, you, you know, like we don't you know, we see them eating together and then it's like, oh no, let's kiss and toss this red umbrella. And yeah. wait, what? Like, but uh, you know, it could could be a lie. Then they're in bed swapping murder stories or whatever <laughs> about their parents. Yeah. But uh, this perfectly, is one thing that I did normal. like when they were in bed, and and um, she says, uh, the, "The guy who killed your parents, they never caught him." And he says, "No, they never did." And that's the origin that I prefer—the nameless or. You know, even Joe Chill was okay, but you know, nameless, random, you know, crime on the street. That's that's the one I prefer. Yeah. <clears throat> no connection. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was never like a. It's kind of like you know, Joker. He, their their murderers should be nameless, faceless, because it gives away too much. Um, it makes it that much more tragic. I think. Well, yeah, and it's almost like Joker. You don't want to have a true origin story because then it kind of yeah. kills the mystique. Yeah, yeah. getting getting too uh, intimate and familiar with any character can uh, can take away some of what made them so cool. Like uh, if you watch the uh, the Boba Fett show, it's a cool show. But now that I've seen so much of Boba without his helmet on. He doesn't, he doesn't feel the same anymore. Yeah, other people have said that. Yeah, he he talked a lot during during the he he needed to talk less. It it actually makes you realize, like when I was reading this, I was like, oh man, this book is only three books, but man, it it every every issue is deep. 
Mm-hmm. Like they probably could have like chopped it up and made it six if you wanted, you know, like yeah. Oh yeah, I was surprised it was only three. Uh, yeah, like I've had this book for a while and we decided to review and I was like, All right, cool, I'm gonna, you know, start reading it a few days before and I'm like, You gotta really pace yourself. It's not a quick read. Yeah, because you know, each page when you break it down, I mean you could sit there and just study each page with it's really a collage, uh, a narrative collage, you know. It really is. So now Batman's kind of put a few clues together and comes up with a name um, that all the victims had in common, and that was a judge by the name of Alex McCard. So he goes to pay him a visit, find out what he knows. The judge tells him, you know, all these victims, they were let out after you and Gordon threw me in. And there was a deal done with the three families. All my cases were overturned. And the judge figures that this is the imposter. Or I, he doesn't know. He just thinks it's Batman. He thinks yeah. Bruce is the person killing him. And he says, I figured you were just killing everyone to make up for letting them all out. So that shows you how the imposter's goal is working. Mm-hmm. Um it says here before DCPD ousted Gordon. We uncovered evidence that Gotham's three crime families had five judges on their payroll. Mm. The evidence overturned dozens of their cases. And then Bruce is talking to Leslie. He says the judges never went to prison, and because Gordon was working with the Batman, so uh, he fucked up. Yeah, his career ended. He was run out of Gotham. The five judges walked as did over half of their convictions because of me. Yeah. At this point, you kind of figure, like, now it's got to be somebody with inside information, you know, to... Well, that gives a motive, too. I mean, why, why yeah. were, you know, why is he targeting these people? Well, because they were... Uh, maybe, maybe it's someone that worked hard to put them away, or maybe it was someone who... Uh, one of these killers or drug deals... You know, their actions killed one of their loved ones. Now he's got a little bit more clear understanding of who who it can be and can limit, you know, the the, the suspects. Um, we see, you know, a Gotham Times headline where it says Batman claims 12th victim in 60 days. I mean, that's a pretty good clip. <laughs> well, prior to that, we, we have an everything Batman cameo. Oh, <laughs> on the newsstand. <laughs> I made it. Yeah. That's what I think, my mom. <laughs> no, I, I, th- I think that's what's. This is what the beauty of the writing is. It's like, as much as you love Batman, it's in this in this universe. It's like, all right, well, his actions have a catalyst, and you can you can for a second empathize on why the imposter had had to feel the motive to jump in to expose Batman and and to expose um, the justice system that was corrupt. How else would he do it? Um, if you're going to go towards Batman, if you can't beat him, join him, right? It's like you got to take that lead to kind of bring that attention and with that attention exposes uh, what has been done. And it's not like Batman was wrong. It was just the feel. Just, it was guilty by association, almost. You know, the affiliation. It just didn't work out in his favor. This time, yeah. But and 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 it made me think too. It's like, well, oh man, all right. These judges were corrupt, but in my head, I'm like, did they have a choice though? 
that you have these three families that are going up against you. Like, what do you do? You know, you kind of just go with the flow and maybe they got paid and um, otherwise maybe they could have got killed or the family would have got killed. Again, yeah. it's the catalyst and the connectivity of the life of Gotham. It's like, what do you do? If right. you don't do it, then someone else is going to get paid or someone else is going to uh, get their asses saved. And then all of a sudden you're affected with maybe your family or, or you, or you get killed. Right. I mean, and it, I mean, that's true in real life. I mean, being a district attorney, a judge, sometimes even a lawyer puts a target on your back. Um, Mm. when you're dealing with, when you're on stage, uh, yeah. Well, when you're dealing with certain clients, um, just a few years ago, there's a affluent suburb outside of Dallas called South Lake. And in broad daylight, middle of the day, this attorney was killed point blank, murdered by a cartel gang right in front of his family while he's, you know, they're in a shopping mall. Yeah. And um, just kind of, you know, shows you that you, you piss off the wrong people. Um, they'll come after you or your loved ones. So you're right. I mean, these judges may have had some, uh, you know, the, these families leaning on them in a, in a way that, you know, that there by that comment, that just reminds me of like why people love that show Ozark so much. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. One oh, or two, one, so or two good. Small, one or two small favors. It starts escalating to something way bigger where it's way beyond you. And if you stop, Again, it's that catalyst catalyst effect. Like, then you're gonna affect your family, and right. you keep stopping. If you stop, a you die. But if you don't keep stopping, all of a sudden, like at a survival mode, your family gets evo- uh, involved, and it's like, oh shit! Now in Ozark, it's like now the whole family was involved, and right. you can't stop. Otherwise, you can't. You'll never get out. Yeah, and every anyone that's connected to you is gonna get killed. So, right very similar to this it's like you're you're in too deep you can't you got to move forward and just play defense or just it's all about survival mode now uh blair visits um wesker wesker um and uh you know convinces him to give her access to the network um because i guess they've kind of figured out that he's he's using them Otherwise, you know, why else would he have broken in that one night? And so she gets access to some surveillance and she actually finds a clip of a Batman. Um, well, they both find it, right? Yeah, they're both. That's what's cool. They they kind of show this in parallel. They both see Otis rat catcher van meeting up with a Batman and also pinpointing the address that they're meeting at. So they're both kind of on the same path at the same time, unbeknownst to each other. They know that there's an accomplice, and they're after this Otis Flanagan, you know, the Rat King catcher. I like this panel where Wong is in the cop car with Hatcher. um, (laughs) At the same time, Batman is on his way there, and he passes her right outside her window, and she's like, we got company. This is where it really starts getting cranked up. That, but that panel also looks like it's a, a scene from Fast and Furious because that looks like Vin Diesel driving. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> 
Gotta protect the family. <laughs> yeah. I like how she, she's like, uh, Hatcher's like, you know, keep your eyes open. He's like, for what? And she does the little, the bad ears. The bad ears. <laughs> so they're transporting. They they get to uh, Flanagan's apartment first. They arrest him and they're taking him in, transporting him down. And in the back, you see Batman coming on his motorcycle. I was a little surprised at his tactics here. I mean, he's he's laying waste to him with these smoke bombs and causing a lot of damage and injury. But um, and then he boxes her up too. Yeah, he does. He does that little, horse kick. Yeah, he kind of does a little year one kick on her stomach. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on the tree. <laughs> oh. Um. But yeah, but that's he's about the mission, so he's like, all right, get out of the way. He may not even realize who it is. He's just kind of going on pure adrenaline and instinct mm. because you know he's looking at Flanagan and. You know, what would you do if you felt someone or heard someone with a gun oh, yeah, in the absolutely. back of your head, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man, any hesitation by him and he's, you know, dead, so he can't. Yeah. So Bruce captures uh, Otis, basically waterboards him mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to give up information. And poor Otis is like, I don't understand. I'm your friend. Throughout all this, you kind of got the sense that Otis wasn't the smartest guy, um, but he's just kind of caught in the middle right now. And imagine what he's thinking while Batman's putting his head in a toilet. (laughs) (laughs) After he's been helping this guy. He's like, is this what friends do? Yeah. (laughs) It just kind of goes back to his thing that's, you know, saying how he's been mistreated his whole life. And he's like, people are vermin. So now he's got his only friend, Batman, Putting his Give, head in the toilet. Giving him a swirly. <laughs> yeah. What a bully. That's what they should show. They should have shown the swirly. <laughs> oh, man. And then Wong uh, goes back to the GCPD weapons locker, and she's she's declaring war now. And Hatcher's like, Christ, you planning on going to war? And she's like, yep, mm. pretty much. You coming? So it's on now. Well, there's the... The little foreshadowing right before that, he says, you're not allowed down here. She says, I could say the same thing to you. Mm-hmm. Right, that, that, but, uh, that's, that's when you start thinking, all right, you're getting really close to figuring out, you know, who's who. Something's about to happen. Um, he, this is where he kind of exposes himself. Not in that way. Not in that way. You're not going to get me too. You know? <laughs> it is Black Label, you never know. He's gonna get put on administrative oh. leave. <laughs> this, um, I, I'll say at the end of book two, I still had no idea. But early, I don't know about you guys, but early on in book three, then I was like, okay, now I, I know who it is. Uh, I like the way that um, they kind of hint at who it is, but don't really give it away. Like we said earlier, there was kind of a red herring. Yeah, uh, one character, and I had I had some suspicion, and I like when writers are good enough to do that and not just give it away all up front. But if you look at that kind of toothy smile in the last panel of book two, and then at the cover of book three, right? Okay, yeah, gotcha. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, and, did you guys collect the single issues or just wait for the the trade hardcover? Uh, 
I, I got the singles on this, and uh, for anyone else who is uh, going to be picking up the singles, uh, there are some very cool Libra Mayo variants. For yes, each issue. I was going to say that um, because I picked up one of those. I just got the digital. Yeah, that the uh, the Lee covers is what even caught my eye months ago. Like, oh shit, what is this? But uh, yeah, you know, obviously, if you can collect the singles, it just there's a few there's a few covers that you definitely want to get. But it's funny because um, now that you look at it, obviously you can see it, but they made the nose very similar to Bruce's. It's almost you know the eye, the ears. It's like, could it? It's almost like there's two cows looking at each other, but if you really examine it, it's not. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's pretty genius. Um, you know, back to what we were saying too, it's like what Grumps is saying, book three, you kind of know who it is, but the missing link is like, what is, what is his motive regardless? So it's like, you got to keep yeah. on that. That's the beauty of the writing. It's like, all right, I'm going to, ex- uh, I'm going to expose uh, who it is, but you still got to learn why did he do this? Like, why did he uh, kill and why did he um, get all these things on, uh, on film? So this is where, this is the beauty of the third book going into it. The book three starts off with, I guess, Batman turned over Otis to the GCPD and they've got him interrogation. Otis is saying, I thought he was my friend. I don't know who he is. I don't know why he hurt me. And. They're trying to get him to to give up some information. And Hatcher says, this guy's a rat. If I ever saw yeah. one. Again, that just caught a bad break. It's like he was um, he wanted to, to help. Right. He was helping. But he confused the guys, you know, so. Right. It's just someone that's at heart a good a good person. Um, and there's so much symbolism. To, He's not really deformed, but you know what I mean? Like how he um, portrays society and his world. Again, he still gets betrayed after doing the right thing. Mm. That's just real life. It just sucks. You want to root for him because you empathize with him, but he got caught up in the wrong, you know, there was a mix up. and, And I guess in his eyes, to me, I'm like, man, He's being he's being the Robin to Batman at that point to that imposter Batman, in in a way like in psychologically, he's helping. Yeah, yeah. And and, again, that's that's the loss of the story, and that's where like, hey, this whole imposter stuff, chain reaction, catalyst, real life. um, There's people that are going to really be victims, and he's the victim in this case. Yeah, and. We're not shown or we're not told that he's aware that he knows the Batman that he's helping is the one doing the killing in his yeah. mind. But after all the news and stuff, you have to think that he's aware that, you know, because they're saying 12 Batman killings in 60 days. So in his mind, he only knows of one Batman. So maybe in his mind, he's helping Batman take out the bullies that have been mistreating him and people like him in society so yeah that's what he, he says, is kind so of an accomplice he is kind of a you know, uh, he's not innocent yeah. Yeah. yeah i was helping him i even gave him some names people who deserved it 
Yeah. So. Yeah, he, he's he's finding redemption too. Like he's fighting back in that way, but in a way, he there's there is an innocence to him that makes it complex, you know. So Hatcher talks his way into going in and doing the interrogation. He he thinks he's a tough guy and going to go in there and mm. and and rough him up or you know get some information. Otis says he just wanted to kill all the bad men in Gotham. That's all. I was helping him. He even gave him some names, people who deserved it. And while they're watching him, and this is, I don't know police protocol, but Hatcher makes a mistake by wearing a piece Mm. into the interrogation room, which that's a big no-no. I even know that. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a, a video that I've seen online though of uh, someone actually doing that same thing, pulling a, a cop's gun off him. Right. And it looks a lot like this scene. And that's exactly what happens. And Otis yeah. pulls his own gun off of him, and um, ends up killing himself in front of him. You know, he said, "I was just trying to do something good," and then kills himself. Well, that's when it clicked for me. I was right there. I was like, this is all on purpose. I thought I knew at the time. Right. Did did it make you think that Hatcher wore that piece in there on purpose? Absolutely. Like he leaned forward, you know, on purpose to give him access to it. Because he knew he was getting, yeah. Push him over the edge. Maybe at first to see what he knew. And then, oh, this guy doesn't know shit, but I got to, you know, maybe I can get him to, you know, maybe I could take him off the board. You know? Yeah, I got to take him out before he rats me out, basically. Yeah. That was a big clue. Next but, I week's... mean, like Steve was saying, we still don't have the reasoning, all the reasoning why. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think both, as as we move forward, it's like both sides are gray. Everyone's right, everyone's wrong. So it's like, yeah, you're about to find out why. That that's the beauty of this book. Like it's, it is a de- it is a detective book, but it's like, uh, it's very realistic to me. It's and it's like, not everyone is. There's no hero. There's no. There's no someone. It's not one sided. It's not, you know, this guy's completely right, and this is why he did it, and I side with him. It's like, there's no winners or losers. I mean, there's losers, but there's no winners in this story. Everybody's a little dirty. They're, they're victims <laughs> of their own circumstances. Yeah, yeah. This is really compelling, and and that's that's what makes for good, like a good HBO Max series or some kind of, uh, you know, Gotham Central type perspective where you really start seeing why why the cops turn corrupt or the actions of Batman affects the lives of everyone. Um, so Otis had ta- had told um, Bruce about a hideout in the sewers, and he said it was behind a waterfall. So Bruce is going to have to go down into the sewers and, and try to find out where this imposter is at. Also, in the same conversation, he says to get to Flanagan, I had to hurt her, and it you know he relives that moment where he kicked. Wong, and he says, it's the worst thing I've ever done. So you can see that, you know, the mission is first, but 
it has its price and takes a toll on him. He is still a human after all. He's not just yeah. a, you know, like a Frank Castle just focusing on wreaking havoc and pain to do what he thinks is right in his mind, no matter the cost. He's still human under there after all. I like this artwork where he's going through the, the sewer where you just see like Batman's silhouette with the cape and all the bats. And then directly opposite... You see her walking with like all the leaves, kind of mirror images of each other. And you have to actually turn the book upside down to read that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in the beginning, I was like, you know what? Let me try to read this upside down. I was like, it makes you flip because it's, they want you to know the mindset of each character and to have the voice of their headspace at the time. Yeah. So you flipping it and kind of switching gears. Uh, then you go to Wong, then you go to, you know, Bruce. So. Uh, very cool, you know. Very psycho, psycho. Everything psychological in this, so um, it's done for a reason, obviously. So it's for you to kind of have that break into character and to get to their headspace. Yeah, I love this sequence where he's down in the sewer. Just the way that um, they kind of use silhouette and negative space to create. Yeah, it's it's almost like an X-ray view. Um, yeah, it's cool. so cool. Yeah, this art is unique. Um, and, yeah, and at this point of the book, it it gets a lot more defined, and uh, it's about emotion. So it's like, man, this is. It kind of reminds me of Jock, but um, yes, I was about to say yeah, that for sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, I I like these types of artists where they can be realistic. They're not like the super realists. They still have a touch of comic-y. You know, it's not perfect anatomy. It's not photographic images but it's still so close and so i don't know what the word is for it but it, I, I just like this a, type i mean it's it's a combination of like watercolor um yeah because there are points of it especially like with the backgrounds that are very tight even jock i mean he can be he super has, tight in his artwork but then he's a little loose with some of the human anatomy and, and um i guess it's just to me, it's just a little bit more expressive, but I think I, I, I felt like the um, and again, maybe it's it's the build up to the story, but I felt like the artwork got a lot tighter towards the end. Yeah, it was looking a little hyper realistic in the beginning, and I was back and forth. I was like, man, this art is cool, but then there was some parts where it's like it looked like Lee Bermejo's early, early work, but um, not that it was lazy. It was just like it looked like they were referencing people. Where at this point, it's like. All right, cool. This is more heavily on shadows and dark contrast and yeah. uh, black and white and X-ray view, and you're really focusing on um, the building to the end of the story. Um, it's almost like you're you're adjusting the lens where it was blurry, and now it's really hyper focused on the details and the emotion. Yeah. Uh, although not, yeah, it's not all about like hyper detail but you're feeling these brush strokes where it's about the emotion so uh to yeah. me this is the best artwork in the series compared to the beginning um, yeah. yeah so he finds the lair and what's cool is you see an actual map of gotham city you know so the the imposter knows the subways the tunnels the zip lines he knows everything and then Batman finds this shotgun that has 
this squid emblem on it and he knows he's found the imposter now that that squid emblem at first i was like what's this all about Um, and then the imposter comes in and takes out batman with a couple of punches and kicks and he kind of comes in looking like um the grim knight the grim knight yeah (laughs) he's very grim for sure you can see that he takes out batman in hand-to-hand combat pretty easy well, it, it does go back and forth because he comes in with the gun, but then uh, Batman slams him into the wall and yeah. the imposter retaliates with the thumbs and the eyes and then uh, mm. like a tie clinch and a knee to the face. And then he does he tackle him through like a wall to go down to the water? Is that what this? <sighs> okay. This was the part yeah. that I was a little confusing I for me. I got confused. Yeah. yeah. Early yeah. on, like, I'm sorry, when after... Ratcatcher killed himself and whatever, and then he talks to Leslie, and then there's like an underwater scene, and then I'm reading it on digital, so I'm I'm literally going panel by panel. You guys, if you have the books, obviously you get to see the whole page. Well, so it I looks like he puts on, yeah, it looks like he puts on kind of a scuba mask, and then yeah. Then he yeah, tackles him tackles, into the water. And tackles then, him into a water and tries yeah. to drown him. Yeah, he's choking him, uh, but basically has a rear, uh, rear naked choke on him while they're under the water to just drown him. And uh, and you also see that like humanistic side of Bruce where he's like, man, I, I've kind of met my match. Like This guy has that experience, that tactical experience where he's hitting me hard. Then Bruce pulls out um, his battering and he's like, this dude's built like a tank. He hits harder than I can, so yeah. I have to hit him more. And this guy finally kicks him through a brick wall down to a lower level. Okay. And light <clears throat> flashes on. Batman says no, because that's when the cop shows up, and he's like, this yeah. happened too quick. How'd these guys get here? He's he's realizing something doesn't fit. Something doesn't feel right. This is too coordinated they got down here too fast it's like they knew where he was going to be yeah i guess he pulls out like a flashbang and kind of you know blinds these guys because you know they they've got infrared goggles on right so he pulls out a flashbang and it kind of blinds them and stuns them so he can make his escape and he gets out through a manhole and then batman gets out right in the middle of traffic Uh, yeah Throws this dude out of his car, steals his car, <laughs> carjacks somebody, carjacks this dude. I like how the art shows that he's, you know, he's blacking out, and he's like, yeah, "No, he's this wounded. he's wounded." Yeah. He's like, "This can't be how it ends." That's why he had to go Grand Theft Auto Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that'd be a cool game. <laughs> that and he be. crashes into a Wayne Enterprises building. Yeah. Construction. He's just doing more damage to Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, insurance claim. He'll be fine. Yeah, right. He's doing himself a favor. Right. And Wong is on top of it. Um, this is what's cool is she kind of has a map of his entire uh, zipline network. Yeah. So she kind of knows where he can go. And sure enough, I mean, he, he's he's going to use that, but he's really in trouble. I like the shot of him going across the zipline, how the... Uh, the cape opens up. Yeah. yeah. Gets that uh, that traditional look. That would have been cool when we had uh when we were getting those books without the letter uh, the lettering and stuff. Oh yeah. 
if you save the file. That's a cool picture. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was always a treat. Oh, so the uh, hero is wounded. Well, the hero's wounded, but got a helicopter on him. And you know, to to them, he's a murderer. So I mean, they are shoot to kill. And we see him jumping from rooftop to rooftop, and he's kind of at a dead end. There's that one image where, I mean, I guess he gets shot from behind. I mean, because it looks like his front guts explode out. And we turn the page, and, and it's it's Wong. Uh-huh. Yeah. At this point, she doesn't know who Batman is. She just knows that he's a murderer, and he's on the run. And then Batman takes off his cowl, and she can see it's Bruce. And he's telling her, I don't kill people. This is not me. This is a imposter doing the killing. And he says, I never meant to hurt you. And I like this line. He just he just gets up and he starts walking away. Yeah. <laughs> and she's holding the gun. And um, she's like, what part of it? You are under arrest. Do you not understand? He's like, either put me down or let me go. There is no other option. And she that, knows he's right. She's like, that, that, uh, That's a Batman move. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even when he's about to die, he still has the upper hand. Put me down like a dog. Like, wow. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would think that that wound there would almost be a mortal wound anyway. I, the way they made it look in that one, you know, splash page. Yeah. So this is not like the bulletproof magical Batman of the Batman. Bruce makes his escape through the alley and this is almost kind of like the movie where he kind of has that... Um, the drifter rid- look? Yeah, the drifter look. He gets rid of yeah. his suit, and he he actually has like a ignition switch to burn yeah. the suit. And um, he lays out some trash to kind of hide out and pass out and recover a little bit. He's always getting messed up, man. Um, yeah, in this, in this series, he got fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of like in the uh, the Daredevil Netflix series where like Daredevil's superpower was that he could take more beating than the people he was fighting. Yeah, that part where he uh puts the uh the suit in the bin and walks away it reminds me of that Spider-Man cover, the mm-hmm. yeah. Spider-Man No More. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leslie's waiting on him, you know, because he's supposed to show up. She's hearing on the news about how. The police have been in pursuit of Batman. Um, they've got 12 square blocks shut down. It's unclear if he's still alive. She's debating whether or not to either place the call to 911 to, to report him in or not. And she can't. She knows that she can't. And then Blair is dealing with the fact that she now knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And there has to be an imposter because um, she knows... He wouldn't do that. He's actually had an alibi the whole time. Yeah, like how she puts them to Batman is Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is Batman. Finkel and Einhorn. (laughs) 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 Oh, classic. Damn you. And then somehow Bruce uh, magically makes it on time to Leslie Tompkins alive. He's pretty much mutable at this point. Yeah. He almost looks like a mummy. Like he's just. He's like, he's barely put together. He has, you know, some kind of sling. His head is wrapped up, but he's on time. He's on time. He's, he, 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 he beat the dawn. So he tells her therapy is over. Yeah. Um, he's like, at this point, even he's just fed up with it, you know? So, 
her face in that one panel looks like the meme with the I don't know. So it's a meme of this older black woman. Like, damn, damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's how her face looks like. Shit, I mean, at this point, I think everyone is just burnt out with dealing with each other at this point of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can just tell in her emotion. Like, she's just, she just trying to just survive, hold it together. Well, also at this point, Bruce is put everything together by seeing that gun he knows um and he says this he says i can end this now the gun belonged to this gangster named lawrence loman who always marked his weapons with the squid he called himself the squid branded everything and not said the squid so batman and gordon took him down and his weapons were confiscated by the police and he says each one was safely locked away in gcpd evidence room um, so now he knows that that gun was taken from the GCPD, uh, evidence locker room. And he knows that the imposter is a cop. So everything fits. He's trained. He has access to the lockup. He has the motive for the victims. He knows he can blame it all on Batman and walk away. And in effect, put an end to... Uh, the turmoil that Batman has actually caused the GCPD. So it's kind of the, the perfect ruse, you know. Batman shows up to uh, Blair's apartment and she, you know, she's scared of him. She knows he's Bruce, but she's like, you know, she's not on his side. He's like, what, you know, whatever you think about me at this point doesn't matter. Uh, we got to take him out. She says, I'm not convinced he isn't you. You know, she doesn't trust him. And so he takes the cow off to look at her, you know, as Bruce. And then he kind of gives her this sob story. Then I met you, blah, blah, blah. Plays on that whole emotion card. Mm -hmm. But he makes a deal. He's like, you know, if you, if you do this, I won't fight what happens next. I'll turn myself in, basically. And they basically lay the trap. This is, this is a cool part where... She's dusting for fingerprints. Where was she dusting at fingerprints at? Where was that at? Um, I think she's going oh. to. When... No, right. she's she's dusting for fingerprints in oh. the evidence locker for the crate that held the squid weapons. Yeah. And she tells Hatcher, we're going to take the Batman down tonight. I can get him to meet me if he thinks I'm alone because they were on that rooftop in the prior scene. And she, I guess she's kind of convincing him that they have a connection. I, I think this is the point where you're like, here, here we go. This is it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Rose, like, Hey, you know, what are you doing with the print kit? Right. You know, yeah. what other explanation would she have for putting prints on that, that weapons container? And, Hatcher knows that she's on to him because he's like, yeah, what's what's with the print can? She says, you know, I'm just following the lead. Probably nothing. Have to be sure. And that that's the definite point where you know it's yeah. it's him because um, he's looking at her with the side eyes. <laughs> side eyes. He's looking grumpy. <laughs> yeah. So now they got um, what, where are they at? They're at the top of uh, one of the Wayne buildings. Looks like the one that got blown up, as mentioned earlier in the story. All right. So, 
Go ahead. Uh, I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead. So does she kind of now she meets with the Batman on the on this rooftop or whatever. So now she, in a way, she's making herself the bait in this situation because she still doesn't know. She's unsure about her partner. She's unsure about Bruce, right? Like she doesn't know. So she kind of puts herself out there. Or am I wrong? Or is that what it looks like? Yeah. Right. She's kind of told Hatcher, hey, I can get him to meet me up here. And Hatcher's her backup. Hatcher's her backup. You can see in the little insert that he. But she also knows that a cop had to access those, you know, weapons or whatever. So. Right. Yeah. Um, so basically, whichever one of them it is, she has them and they will know that. Yeah. And then um, she takes a slug. Yeah, that's that's uh you know while Batman's talking to her, she's got her back to him, and a laser target shows up on her back. She gets shot. Wasn't that killer? I, I mean, so. it wasn't like it was on her shoulder. It was like literally on her spine. Yeah, I I get. I guess it depends on what the angle is. Because if you look at that second shot where the, where she's hanging, you can see where the wound is. It was is off to the off center. She must have turned. All right, let's just say she turned. She turned. turned. She turned. She turned her shoulder. <laughs> yeah, it, it it missed her by one centimeter. Or so, <laughs> just like in the movies, you know. And then fucking Batman catches another slug. Like God, this guy's Swiss cheese. <laughs> she's she's hanging there. He's reaching down to save her. And you, you're right. Batman takes another slug. So he's telling her let go, and she's like, "What?" and he secures his zip line and they crash down uh, a story or two. And that's where uh, the imposter shows up with his gun. Now the fight is on between Batman and the imposter, the big finale. First, Batman kind of hits him with a flashbang and, and disarm him. Does he headbutt the imposter? Is that? It looks like it, yeah. And the, the panel on the right, all the way to the right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Headbutt. And you can. <clears throat> I love it where that shows the uh, is it a fractured skull. Is it the imposter that gets headbutt or the imposter headbutt Bruce? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah, hard to tell. Either way, I love that panel where it shows the mm. the wound. It has to be the imposter headbutts Bruce because Bruce is the one that ends up on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. The imposter says, you did this. You understand? <laughs> so I want you to understand. So now the art gets a little weird because he's drawing Bruce with eyes. Like he wasn't was he drawing Batman the whole time with those eyes? No. No. Maybe the lenses got to smash damaged him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this imposter makes the mistake of talking while he's got Batman at his mercy. You never talk when you got your victim <laughs> ready. You just go for the kill shot, you know? But these bad guys, they like to talk. So he's like, you know, pretty much I'm just cleaning up your mess, leaving you to blame. And then, blam, 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 Blair Wong to the rescue. But I guess this guy's wearing body armor because it doesn't kill him. And he runs over and he starts kicking and beating on Blair. And he puts a gun to her temple. Now, tease us, we get to your part. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us what happens. He he in in his last resort he's got one more little batarang and he just uh 
right you know right when the imposter poses the gun he just gives him the old battering to the eye that that old trick always works <laughs> and uh he starts to fall off and Bruce catches his arm and says you're going to die in jail and <laughs> Hatcher says no I'm not and he pulls out the battering and stabs Bruce's hand forcing him to let go and and falls to his death and this bitch tries to lock him up <laughs> after all that <laughs> Bruce Wayne you're under arrest he kicked her in the stomach maybe if he hadn't done that everything would have been cool but but still it it was for a good reason did you not read the story lady and in typical Bruce Wayne Batman fashion he talks his way out he says do you think Gotham will be better off without me. And she has a moment of pause and lets him go. The ending concludes with, you know, the news breaking the story that uh, the murderous Batman was a cop and somehow Bruce Wayne billionaire was caught in gangland shooting. <laughs> Blair is left in her hospital bed wondering what the hell just happened with, with what she knows. She's got, Batman's cowl in her hand, and and she's not sure what the how that's going to impact her life or how she's going to deal with knowing uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne. Story ends with uh, Leslie Tompkins, you know, in her apartment talking to Bruce in a way. She says, "Whether you like it or not, you're creating more monsters, the worst of which are yet to come." And then we see Scarface as Batman is talking to to Ventriloquist. She's actually in her apartment, um, I guess, typing an email to Bruce saying, I, I hope I was able to help you. And she gets a knock on her door, and it's Arnold. And he says, uh, my friend said I said you could help me, please. And he hands her an envelope with a bat signal um, showing that Batman kind of sent him her way for some help because... She actually did help him in a way. Book concludes with flowers being placed on the graves of Thomas and Martha Wayne, Mike and Nina Wong, and Otis Flanagan as Bruce Wayne walks away alone. Batman the Imposter. That was a quick one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I want to hear everyone's rating for sure. Yeah, this was this was a treat. This was like something very different. Um, it was it was black label. It wasn't the big format. Um, this to me, this was like very cinematic, and it makes sense because of the writer's background. Um, it was very gritty, and uh, it just I, I think from the first uh, couple of pages, it just it just caught your eye just based on the book. So. This was definitely a cool read. Um, a, a nice break from the normal, like you said before earlier. It's a nice break from the uh, from the rebirth run that everyone's kind of catching up on and stuff. Right. All right. So on a grading scale, let's go for <laughs> one to ten because you know five is a little vague. Yeah, ten gives you more intervals. So on a scale of ten chocolate chip cookies. Oh shit. What, what, any, any, uh, any decimal points or just eight to nine or nine to ten? <laughs> I mean, if you want to 
point bite off half a cookie sure okay um on a scale of one to ten chocolate chip cookies what what you got uh i think oh man this is kind of tough but uh i think overall i i think it, i think it's safe at it as an eight i i want to give it a little higher but i think eight is where it it's at um the the artwork was overall really good and like i said it it progressively got better um but it it caught my eye uh i think from the first scene it's like hey batman is battered he's destroyed that got my attention uh you start thinking like the motive like how did he get there why is there an imposter like that's that carries you through the beginning to the end um this was a very unique story that we've never really seen before so um I want to say eight is safe. I want to give it more, but I think eight eight is worth that for me. Okay, Grumps, what you got? Yeah, I'm gonna go with an eight as well. Yeah, um, pretty high. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I just, uh, I guess, I had a couple of issues with the art at times. On certain certain. I don't know, panels or whatever seem muddy at points or or, or art style changed it, it seemed but um no nah, i mean shit an eight you know because it was it reminded me of the movie and it reminded me of year one and um i was happy to see uh this this new take on leslie Tompkins. And, yeah. Um, yeah it was it was really cool it was a treat um because like you gramps i have I, you know, I'm buying digital, and I still have a stack of Batman and Detective Comics I haven't read. So, right. Um, when you said to, you know, you wanted to review this, I, I jumped on it, and uh, I'm happy I did. This is this is something I could recommend to somebody if they're a fan of the Batman movie. Yes, well, you should read this. You you you'd like it. So, eight is good for me. What you got, Rob? Uh, you guys copying my rating. It's interesting how cohesive we are on this. Uh, I Right from the start, I was thinking an 8, too. Uh, yeah, I, I have the same thing. Some of the same uh, kind of qualms with uh, some of the paneling. But uh, yeah, aside from that, I like it. It's a, a different kind of story. We don't have, you know, the, there's no good guy wins in the end. Like, yeah. the, the way everything went down like it says in one of the final panels in that way the imposter won uh the symbol that batman is supposed to stand for will never be clear yeah yeah that's true and yeah if uh if anyone listening uh enjoys the writing in this book uh matson is working on another comic book it won't be uh a dc thing he's doing something different uh, and with a different artist. And we will have more news on that here when the time is right. Looking forward to that. Yeah. All right. My review. One, I, I, I really like the writing. I really like the fact that, you know, it's kind of set in a gritty real world, but yet comic universe. Um. I like some of the changes, especially with characters are in this story that aren't that don't get in the way. You know, mm-hmm. Gordon doesn't have to be a trope that gets in the way. Alfred 
um, doesn't get in the way. Yeah, you, 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 you have some of the characters that you wouldn't expect to be potential casualties are just not there. Right. So it's all these new people that, you know, who knows if any of these people are going to survive. Right. And I like that it challenges Batman's support system and his own ideals. And I don't know. I For some reason, maybe I'm just kind of a masochist. I just like a Batman story where he just gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> but still doesn't quit. Um, I don't know. So I, I like that part of it. I like the art. Like you said, it wasn't perfect in some panels. I had to take out my my readers and kind of magnify it <laughs> at certain points, especially the under, <laughs> underwater thing to understand what was going on. There were some panels I just like, I don't, I can't figure it out. Okay, I'm just moving yeah. on. Um, yep. But overall, I was really happy with it. It's something that I will reread again. And that's that's when you know it's good. Um, it plays a little bit on the Batman movie feel, but yet without saying, yes, this is a sequel. Yeah. Um, I give it a 7.5, okay. which is a little lower than you guys. But I mean, like when you're talking eight in, in my world, you're talking like, a list top tier titles that are going to be held against the hall of fame type level of stories but at 7.5 man that's that's that 75% that is right there on that second tier level of going on the gramp shelf and uh, and you you know in reality if you read it one more time it'll probably get a little boost because uh, you'll start connecting some dots and start seeing mm-hmm. things that you yeah. before. So well, like that, like that definitely leaves room for improvement. I think I think there are still some Easter eggs that we haven't all uncovered. I like the yeah. one that Gramps caught with uh, the cane reference. I didn't catch that, so that was a good catch. Um, I'm sure there's probably some more. Um, yeah, so. I thought the writer did a good job of, of keeping the mystery, right? I mean, there was a super short list of suspects, but I mean, it yeah. really, you know, held out as long as possible, I thought. And even when you kind of figured it out, it didn't ruin the story. It just no. made you want to see the conclusion, how yes. how um, this is going to come to an end. Yeah, and And it's better to know who it is before the characters know who it is because you want to watch them try to figure it out before it's too late all right i'm glad we got back to doing a review i know this is kind of a long one the title was batman the imposter written by mattson tomlin art by andrea sorrentino colors by jordi belair letters by steve wands dc black label um pick it up it's in Available in hardcover or three issues or digital. So, And if you want something else from uh, Matson, he has a movie on Netflix right now oh. that he wrote and directed called uh, Mother Android with uh, Chloe Moretz in it. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Hmm. Well, that's it for us. Thanks for listening. Uh, rate and review, subscribe, and follow the Bat Force. 
demanding.